I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the official Gunna Geek Show. I am Stephen, and with me, of course, is the Chris Farrell. I had to turn the lights back on to make Papa Stephen happy. Perfect. Also, pleased to say that we have the wonderful... He's, you know him from places. He's SB. Yeah, and you know what? We found out just before we went live that Steven has never watched Warehouse 13. I have not watched Warehouse 13. Me too. I've never seen it. I've also never seen Warehouse 14 or 15. What about you Warehouse would have 7? If you have watched Warehouse 13. And, and by the way, if you guys have ever smelled fudge where there is no indeed fudge present, that's a sign. Okay. Is it like you're having a stroke when you smell toast? No. Okay. Can I, I'll make a confession right now of why I've never seen Warehouse 13. Because when Warehouse 13 was like a thing, there was a lot of people that were touting how good it was. And it was like it, it was like a go-to topic for everybody. And it just felt like people were building it up too too much. And so I went, no, I won't be a part of that pop culture phenomena i will not i think eureka was the better show out of the two but warehouse 13 was a nice companion show you know in the sci-fi equivalent of the arrowverse and i don't even know what to call it we'll just call it the sci-fi verse i I don't know that doesn't really make any sense but if if you did have one it would have warehouse 13 and eureka in it and eureka was the better show so eureka would have been like flash and warehouse 13 would have been Supergirl? I don't know. Ooh. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) I will not watch it then. Sounds great. Uh, Before we do get into the news, I just want to acknowledge something right now. Uh, Chris Farrell, you last this past Sunday did not manage to do an episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. And I, in our Discord, there's some internet issues, but in our Discord, I pitched that your co-host over there, Willie Nelson, should do a Chris Farrell impersonation. And he said that he would need more time to do that. So I am going to take this as a commitment that at some point he will do it because he didn't flat out say no. You better remind him like 600 (laughs) times. I don't think Willie knows how to say no. No comment. I plead the fifth. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and talk about Disney Plus. There are some Disney Plus changes coming, and they are basically on our doorstep. So I wanted to talk about the fact that as of tomorrow, today we're recording this on February 22nd. So as of tomorrow, we will start to see Disney Plus roll out the star brand to the international audience. 
If you didn't know this, the Star brand is going to places outside of the U.S. This is going to include the U.K., Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Austria, Switzerland, Portugal, Belgium, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, and Iceland are places that will get Star. In addition to those that are going to get it tomorrow in Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and my country of Canada. So why did I want to mention this? Mention this? I wanted to mention this because this is the closest thing to Hulu that I will have, have had legitimately in Canada because that's essentially the model. This is going to include content from Disney Television Studios, FX, 20th Century Studios, and... Um, other things that are more adult-oriented under the big Disney umbrella. You're also going to see the, quote, star original content, which, again, you actually find that on Hulu because it's probably at the moment called Hulu Originals, is my guess. So it's going to have wonderful teen dramas and other things in there. I know that you're looking forward to more teen dramas, Chris. Will it have what we do in the shadows? Because that's on FX and Hulu here in the States. And if it does, you should watch it. It's great. That's a good question. Um, I will have to see for sure because they did the thing that they posted the list of content. But as we learned with the Disney Plus rollout, they posted a list of content, but it wasn't all immediately available across all the countries. So I, I'm hesitant to say that the list is accurate because that's not what they did the first time around. But Fair. we'll see. The thing that's interesting about this right now is that I did sign up in January for the year subscription. Um, I, I probably should have pushed it off till February. So I'm getting the old rate for a year, which because uh, I would have keep playing for Disney Plus. And the price will be going up, though, uh, to accommodate uh, having this in there, which, again, I have mentioned it on the show. I'm a little conflicted about that model. I kind of like people having options with that. But um, if that keeps the price tag down because everybody's having to pay for it, then that could be a potential trade-off as well. But you're probably saying to yourself, Stephen, so you're getting all of this idle content, but you have ranted in the past about the fact that Disney couldn't seem to figure out the basic concept of Parental controls. If you didn't know this, Disney Plus, you can go in and create kids' profiles, but then your kids do exactly what my kids do, and they go, oh, look, I just go into mom and dad's account in order to get to that content. I don't think I would say that. That's too long of a say. I would never remember to say that. What, what? I would never say, Stephen, the five-minute rant that you just did. I, I wouldn't do that. Okay. Well, you might think it then. Okay. I don't think I, my I, thoughts are that yeah, long either. I don't, I don't like to think, so... All, the only part that you need to think about is that, Stephen, you are right. That's the only part that you need to know about. I Ste never think that. <laughs> Stephen, have you ever heard of a password lock on your accounts? Which is a whole other thing, because I'm not going to enter my password every time I go to Disney+, Plus, especially because my kids are using that app. They're, they're supposed to be able to go to Disney+, Plus and use that app like they go to Netflix and use Netflix, and all the adult content is locked out. So you can't create passwords on the profiles. No, you cannot as of today, because that is the next thing I wanted to bring up is they are rolling out in conjunction with this, a new set of parental controls, which will do just that. You know, the thing that Netflix has been doing for a long time and other streaming providers 
where you will be able to lock out specific profiles and have better control of the type of content that the kids' profiles can have. You're going to have different tiers that you can select for that person, which is good because like my kids are are only a couple years apart. So they kind of, they're at the stage where they watch a lot of the same stuff and I'm okay with that. But if I had kids that were further apart, I might want the older kid to be able to watch one thing and the younger kid to watch another. So I think that this is way overdue, but it's good that they are at least executing on it as they roll out Star. Because if if they rolled out Star with all of this material and the lack of parental controls, I could just see that being a problem because not only do kids know how to do what I just explained, where they just hop out and go to another profile, but you've also bred this sort of plat this mindset of Disney Plus plat- the platform that the content is only to a certain level of rating. And so y- you're now going quite a bit higher. So I think this is great. I was so excited to see that they're rolling this out. And uh, I, ho- I do hope that this is everywhere on all platforms uh, tomorrow when Star comes out. So I don't have kids. So this news I saw, I thought it was interesting Thank for Steven. goodness. Well, I don't disagree either. <laughs> but, but more of my thought was, and Steven, you might have better insight in this because you have younger children. What what is adult content on Disney Plus? Because they spawn it as being family friendly content. Ooh, ooh, is it ooh, just ooh. because, like the the Little Mermaid? But no. <laughs> well, I mean, Disney does sneak some Easter eggs in there. One of which is rather phallic. But so I guess technically that could be considered. That. See, I mean, but but all kidding aside, I, I was trying to figure out because I haven't had to consider it. Maybe I don't have the right mindset. But what what is the kind of stuff? at least in your standpoint that you're trying to get your kids locked out from some of the more violent cartoons or something potentially, or. Uh, Okay. So at the moment I'm good with my kids watching Avengers. My youngest is, has actually expressed that he doesn't like it because he finds it a little scary. So, Mm -hmm. but a couple years ago, a couple years, like people who are a a little bit younger, I I don't want them watching any, uh, any of that Avengers, right? Like, you know, the thing is, or the majority of the Avengers stuff, right? Like there, the act there. I don't know that the comic book movies that Marvel do are good for a young audience. Um, I I don't think I mean, so. That's I, where Coulson was killed. I, I, yeah. That's a gru- gra- graphic and gruesome scene. I think um, I'd have to go through the profile, but there's a lot of titles that were added in there when they uh, um, bought Fox that probably wouldn't be appropriate, but. The, the thing is, they go up to like PG-13 range in there, and, and that is not appropriate for okay. ki- kids that are younger, right? Um, like I said, m- my kids are kind of getting to an age that it's less of a concern, but bring Star in tomorrow, and, and now I'm, I'm fully concerned oh. again, right? <laughs> yes, that's, that's certainly the case. I, I just I haven't had to put myself in that mindset, so I was kind of curious to get a different point of view because I started thinking about it, and I was like, I don't know what's appropriate for kids nowadays. I haven't had to think about that in forever from back when I was much, much younger and a babysitter and things like that. You know what was it deemed to not be appropriate for small kids? Seeing the, a butt? The Muppet Show. Well, one of the episodes they pulled is because the dude that was a guest got convicted of child pornography possession. So yeah, they should probably pull that. And then there was, what, 17? They put a notice on there of some cultural issues but didn't remove anything. Okay, another one off the top of my head. There is a couple scenes in the most recent Star Wars trilogy and the first Star Wars trilogy that when I've watched it with my kids, I've skipped over. 
So they're not the, sorry, not the first Star Wars, the prequels, the prequels and the sequels. I think the first trilogy is mostly okay. Um, uh, Mandalorian. I actually uh, don't really want my kid watching Mandalorian either. That's what TV 14, I think, is what the technical so, rating is on or something like that. Yeah. What What is another? Anyways, I won't go into all of it because there there's actually it's a good question. You put me on the spot. But if I was, it wasn't my intent, I apologize. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, it's all good because it's a good I, conversation. Yeah, but let's if I, put him on the spot. I want to see him on the spot, like a, a big two meter spot disc. I want to see him on the spot. If I was to start going through uh, the catalog in there, there would be several that I, I would find because I know there are several that I have not wanted wanted them to watch. Um, Rogue One probably wouldn't really want them to watch that. Yeah, fair. So, yeah, I it's a good question, and I can understand why that, but for sure with Star, that was why I was really, really happy, was I, I was seriously wondering what I was going to do when the Star profile was in there. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I'm glad that this is, this is happening. Oh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. No, I'm just kidding. That's a great show. Anybody, should, everybody should watch that. And I think anyone can learn stuff from it. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. So there you go. There's your Disney Plus update. I'm looking forward to it. And also uh, should hopefully have some new things streaming my way in Canada until I go and I see a bunch of placeholders tomorrow. We'll find out. All right, Chris, I heard that you are going back to the past for the next topic, which is actually to the future. Yes, we're going (laughs) back and forth between time periods here. But for those that aren't aware... Uh, BlizzCon, I think they were doing BlizzCon Line is what they called it this year, took place over the weekend. I'm not 100% sure if it's still going on or now, now or not, but I was a big time player of some Blizzard games in the past, but I never really got into WoW, so BlizzCon, things like that, never appealed to me a ton, but I was browsing through the news on Friday night and saw there was an announcement coming out of BlizzCon that I was really excited for, a return of one of my favorite games of all time, Diablo 2. Blizzard will be releasing Diablo 2 Resurrected, as they call it, a faithful remaster of Diablo 2, its expansion pack, Lords of Destruction, with all characters. They announced the resurrected version of Diablo 2 in the closing moments of BlizzCon Line during the opening ceremony on Friday. So what did they tell us about it? Blizzard will release Diablo 2 Resurrected on the Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5, Windows PC, Xbox One, and Xbox series lines of devices later this year and supposedly a technical alpha will be coming to pcs soon so if you are a pc gamer you can sign up to be part of the alpha so what happens here diablo 2 resurrect is going to take diablo 2's 2d sprites and they're basically going to paint over them with fully 3d rendered models the new game's graphics can display up to 4k resolution according to blizzard but players can toggle back to the original nostalgic graphics by pressing a button, similar to what we got in the 10th anniversary release of Halo Combat Evolved. You could hit the back button and toggle back the original graphics. You'll be able to do the same with Diablo 2 Resurrected. Also interesting, they've promised 7.1 Dolby surround sound support and 27 minutes of remastered cutscenes for Diablo 2 Resurrected. All being said, it sounds like a pretty good polish and cleanup and remaster that's coming out. I kind of like the trend on some of these games coming out that are remasters of ones I loved. They did also announce all seven classes we had in the original Diablo 2. They're back. All the bosses are back. They're not changing any of the game's balance or itemization, meaning that if you played Diablo 2 20 years ago when it came out, this is going to feel 
and play the same. It's effectively just a brand new coat of paint over top of it. And the last little cherry on this Sunday, they did announce that Diablo 2 Resurrected will feature cross-progression for saves, meaning you could play on multiple devices, be able to push your saves back and forth between them, and will cost $40 when it comes out later this year. I am really excited about this. When this game came out, I had to check June 29th, 2000 is when Diablo 2 came out. So we're going back a long time ago, back when I had my Pentium 2 266 megahertz Packard Bell that I played games on that didn't have a 3D card in it that I had to buy a separate 3D card for later. This was a game that my dad and I both had copies of and we would play cooperatively, cooperatively excuse me, on our local area network all the time. It was our thing to do on weekends and stuff like that. He'd play as a paladin, I'd play as a wizard or something like that. And we would just go through and crush things in this game and have a blast doing it. When I went away to college in 2003, same thing. I was playing it on the local area network in my university dorm. That first weekend, I pulled up Diablo 2 to see who all was playing. There were a bunch of folks that were playing on the LAN. I didn't have to connect to Battle.net to do it. So there were people on my floor playing Diablo 2 all the time hunting down quest items and trying to build cool stuff in the Herodric Cube. This is a game that I have put tons and tons of hours into. It's a nostalgia play that ties into the fact that I've played it with my father, played it with my friends. It's an insta-buy for me. The question is, what console to get it on? And right now I'm kind of leaning towards the Nintendo Switch. Why, you might ask? Well, I've been playing Diablo 3. I have about 200 plus hours in on Diablo 3 on Switch because it's one of those games that you can lean back on the couch while you're watching a football game or a baseball game or something, and you can play that game and still be able to listen in enough to know what's going on and just grind away and have a ton of fun. And I should probably also mention that I also own a copy of Diablo 3 on my Xbox One and probably have about 150 hours in on there. So yeah, this game is one of those ones that I know will fill up all those free time moments where I'm like, I guess I could play a game, I don't know. Yeah, Diablo 2 Remastered, when you come out later this year, you will be mine, and I will have you on the Switch at the very least to begin with, and then maybe the PC at a later date, because that's the one that would seem to make the most sense for where to go next. Although I am sad to say it doesn't sound like anyone in the macOS world will be getting Diablo 2 Remastered. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm excited for this, even though I've never played Diablo 2, but I knew a lot of people who did. So, so good, yeah. Steven. Yeah, actually, my brother even played it. I, I get, I can picture the uh, the disc yeah. sitting there. Um, but yeah, it was like six discs or something yeah. like that. It was crazy. It, yeah. So okay. I, I had to look up the logo, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that sitting there. Uh, but anyways, the Diablo two. Um, I looked it up, and how much did you say that the new version is going to go for? Thirty nine ninety nine for Diablo two resurrected. It's pr pretty pretty good that it's going for that much still because apparently it was originally sixty bucks on release according to a Reddit article that I found from twenty fifteen where someone was asked the same question. So and then the expansion pack was like another thirty or forty when it came out. Also a couple years later, it says LOD was thirty five. What's LOD? L uh, Lords of Destruction, I think, is what it is. That was the expansion pack. Gotcha. So yeah, assuming those prices are right, uh, it's good that they're gonna go for. 40 bucks. That's, uh, you know, a lot of these retro games get released dirt cheap. And uh, yeah, it's hard to sell a 20 year old game being 60 bucks. I mean, yes, there's a lot of nostalgia for it. And yes, they fix the graphics and things like that. And it's arguably one of the best games they've ever made. But you could still just buy the old version and play it on your PC for far cheaper if you want. I wonder if someone's going to bring back Unreal Tournament. The original. 
you think they'll bring that back? Quake 3 still being played out there, so it wouldn't surprise me. Quake well, 3 Arena. <laughs> a while back, Chris, you mentioned the Sunday on top of your gameplay. I would recommend not eating a Sunday as you're playing video games because cherry on in, top of my Sunday. Inevitably, you get ice cream stickiness on your hands and that ends up on the control. It's not good. No, I, I don't recommend that. I'm sorry. I you're, you're showing your age, SP, because you clearly were not a gamer of the era that Chris and I were gamers, because if your keyboard wasn't sticky, you weren't a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> OK, you so separate keyboard for video gaming. <laughs> For all these games being resurrected and coming back, I want Space Invaders. I want Space Invaders remastered. Well, just buy, what is it, the Atari VCS, and it has Space Invaders. I don't want that. I want it on my gaming console, which, by the way, I know which console you're going to get this for. I already said Nintendo Switch. No, you're not going to. You're just masking the fact that you're going to get it for PlayStation 5. I believe that he buys all of his games on PS5 now. I don't own one. But you still are Mm. buying the games because you know you will. I could have. I, I was curious because I saw a notification on Wario64's Twitter account that PS5s were available on Best Buy. I went onto the website. They were available to order online. And it said there was one in my local Best Buy. And I went, uh-huh. well, if I really wanted one, I could get it. And I went, well, I barely have enough time now to play all the games I want to play. Why am I buying another gaming <laughs> console? <laughs> See, but you thought about it. Oh, sure. I think about a lot of stupid things in the middle of the pandemic. Spending money makes me feel better. Uh, well, back to Diablo 2. I look I look <laughs> forward to uh, hearing what you think about it and if it brings back all the feels. I mean, Diablo 3 does. So going back to Diablo 2 certainly will. Cool. All right, let's go to the big topic. This is a, a big event that happened this past week. There's a lot of stuff that happened in space over the last two weeks. So bear with me. I'm going to go through them as quick as I can. But there are important stuff, some of which we talked about in the last episode. So the United Arab em- uh, so the United Arab Emirates or the UAE hopes spacecraft successfully was inserted into Martian orbit on Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. That was the day after we recorded our last episode. The UAE is now the fifth entity slash country to successfully reach Mars. Before that, it was NASA for the United States, the Soviet Union, European Space Agency, and India. Now Hope will be moved to a permanent orbit in May with a 55-minute orbital period around Mars, and HOPE is set to study the Martian atmospheric phenomena and will have a mission designed for a full Martian year of roughly 687 Earth days. Now, the HOPE spacecraft took a photo of Mars and beamed it back. It was very beautiful. It was on February 10th, 2021. That was pretty cool. China also successfully entered Martian orbit on Wednesday, February 10th. Hope just beat them by one day. Now, China is now the sixth entity or country to successfully reach Mars, including NASA, the United States, the Soviet Union, the European Space Agency, India, and the UAE. So they missed out on that number five spot. Their spacecraft carried a lander rover, which is planned to land. And as best as Western media can tell, since China doesn't typically publicize the details of its space missions in advance for sometime in May 2021. The orbiter carries a few scientific instruments and a communications package, including uh, some cameras, a spectrometer, a magnetometer, and an ice mapping radar instrument. If 
The landing package is successful. It will mark only the second nation to operate successfully on Mars. The Are they going to bomb nation. Suncast? Well, I, maybe. I don't know. Mm. The Soviet Union landed on Mars in 1971, but the probe ceased to function after less than two minutes on Martian soil. We haven't talked about that on SP Space Symposium, but we will. So the Chinese orbiter is scheduled to operate for at least one Mars year, like Hope, about 687 Earth days. And the rover's targeted timeline is about 90 Mars days or souls, about uh, 93 Earth days. That's roughly about how long Sojourner lasted when we first had a rover on Mars. Now for the big topic. There's more to come, but this is the big topic, guys. Mars 2020, the mission successfully begins. Mars 2020 successfully landed the Perseverance slash InSight rover and helicopter pair on Thursday, February 18th, 2021. Mars 2020 used an improved version of the landing process that Curiosity used in 2012, including that landing crane. The range trigger function, which was added to the landing system, allowed the mission to deploy its supersonic parachute at just the right moment. And also the terrain relative navigation capability enabled Perseverance Sky Crane to assess the Dorizo landscape and navigate autonomously around potential hazards during the descent, which, as we will talk later, was actually pretty important. The rover Perseverance will search for ancient Martian life. Mars 2020 will test InSight, which is the first ever remote flying drone on Mars, and Stephen is not allowed to fly it. Mars 2020 is also slated to begin a Mars sample return mission by collecting samples and depositing them in canisters on the Martian surface. To date, no sample pickup or return mission has been approved by any space agency in the entire world. Can we talk about the uh, sample thing? I, I think that it's cool. I didn't realize until last week that it, it's basically going to collect the sample and it's, it's not going to keep the sample on it, on its person. It's going to just leave it there for for, for yeah. future future pickup and i i thought that it would like it would basically house all of the samples so that eventually what whatever mission it is would just go and pick them all up from the rover right but you no know, it's space tupperware just put it in the tupperware put it on the surface hope something comes and picks it up later because nothing's been designed to come pick it up or take it into orbit or bring it back to earth nothing <laughs> And I just that, want I want to stress that there is nothing <laughs> in the pipeline to bring this stuff back. Yes, we're going to collect these samples. Yes, that's great. There is nothing <laughs> happening to bring them back. And this is how they bring Suncast's Martian potatoes back. Eventually, they'll <laughs> capture one of them. You well, know, yeah, I mean, it's going in the Tupperware. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> one of two things will happen. Number one, inev inevitably, a dust storm will come and cover it all up. Uh, no. <gasps> number two. The secret Chinese mission that you're telling us about is to steal the samples. Dum dum dum. <laughs> yeah, with our little rover that can last. <laughs> I've been watching Space Force. <laughs> I might have been. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is pretty neat. We didn't talk about it beforehand, but four spacecraft observed the Mars 2020 arrival and landing. The European Space Agencies, or ESA's Roscosmos ExoMars Trace Gas Orbiter, or TGO, it's a combined endeavor between ESA and the Russians, that observed it. The ESA's Mars Express Orbiter observed it. The NASA's Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, or MRO, which was deployed in 2016, that observed it. 
and NASA's Mars Atmosphere and Volatile Evolution or MAVEN orbiter all was viewing this whole thing as it was going down. And as we'll talk about it later, I don't have anything written down, but we'll talk about the phenomenal coverage that happened with the landing. So this is something that I had written down before the NASA conference earlier today is Percy. We'll just call Perseverance Percy from now on. Okay, guys, it's just the nickname. So Percy has two microphones, which I might add is a lot more than a lot of podcasters. But um, okay. <laughs> that was good. I thought will... you to laugh, but it's good. Okay. It will hopefully record the first true audio from the Martian surface, which, spoiler, it did, after two failed attempts at doing so. So NASA's Polar Lander, which crashed in 1999, had a microphone on board, and also NASA's Phoenix Lander had a descent camera microphone, but they never turned it on. It wasn't like it didn't work. They just never turned it on because they didn't want to follow up the data transmissions between everything that was going on. So there were microphones sent to Mars before, but we recorded no true sound out of a microphone. So there were two microphones, for those that don't know, that are on Percy. One was on the EDL camera mic, and it was a commercial off the shelf by a Danish DPA microphone, Danish company, a DPA microphone. And sorry, Blue, no Blue Yeti on Mars. Nope, nope. Although we were talking right before we went live, and I mentioned that this was a real failed marketing attempt by Sure as because the SM58 has been frozen, it has been dunked in water, it has been spilled beer on, which I'm sure there's a lot of beer on Mars. There's got to be. I mean, there's nothing else to do there. Mars beer. It, yeah, right. And it's it's gone through extreme heat and cold. This is the perfect microphone because it has literally been tested, right? Maybe not in a vacuum, but it's literally been tested. So I don't know why they just didn't use an SM58. Number one, uh, it's too directional, too good at rejecting noise. Uh, There there you go. Maybe. Uh, But I actually uh, saw a bit of the stream today while I was working. I had it playing in the background and they were talking a little bit about the microphones and... uh, uh, they played a bit of audio from it, and I, I did not load it on here because I actually think people should go seek it out and find it. Um, it's we'll cool. throw the link in the in the credits here in the show notes here, yeah. but yeah, it's very cool. There's also a SuperCam microphone, which I don't think they've turned. Yes, no, they haven't. I'm trying to remember what the sounds was recorded from. I think it was from the EDL, wasn't it? Anyway, there's a SuperCam microphone which is located on the mast-like head. If you've ever seen Curiosity or Percy pictures of it, there's a there's a mast and it looks like it has a head on it because it's got two cameras, two stereo cameras that are allowing it to uh, move the, where it needs to go, and that can record up to three and a half minutes of video at a time, including the audio. So we might get some extended audio recordings. We'll see because Percy has to be operating in order to record. And Percy, actually, Percy's got some noisy systems. I mean, Percy would not be a good podcasting platform. (laughs) Well, that's one of the things in the stream, because if you've seeked out the Mars audio and you're hearing the thing that sounds like really sciencey and like really like, ooh, this sounds eerie, that's the wrong audio and it's fake. That there was just before, like the day that this landed, there was a, a, actually for a few days prior, this audio going around and it sounded like super, super eerie. And it's like, oh, that's really cool. That was entire. That was fake. That wasn't a- anything to do with NASA. The audio that you want to hear is going to be like, that sounds like wind with, with a wine in the background. That's the right one. And it's still really cool. Really cool. 
It is really cool. You get the puff of air. You, you, the things that podcasters don't like, which is the yeah. plosives to their microphone. Here, I'll do it on my microphone here intentionally. That's what podcasters don't want to hear. However, if you're on Mars, that's what you do want to hear. So we'll see how long these microphones last. They've never been tested before on Mars, and the atmosphere is really, really thin. So we'll see how long they last, and we'll see how which sounds they pick up. And if they happen to pick up some disco, then we know that Matt Damon is there. Mark Watney. <laughs> That's right. Uh, a few more hits here. Insight is alive and functioning. It has checked out. They haven't dropped it yet from Percy. It's still uh, attached to Percy. And honestly, if you guys have seen mock-ups of Insight when they let it go, I hope there's not a big gust of wind because that thing is going to fall over really quickly. Or at least it looks like it. I'm sure they've tested it, but I haven't seen anything. Uh, the spacecraft, if you don't know what it was or anything there, we'll also put a link in the show notes for the overview of everything and lots of exciting stuff. They were going in the, they were going over in the JPL NASA press conference this afternoon of what's next for Percy and Insight. And there's just a lot of exciting things that are going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I'm really excited for what's going on on Mars. Not only that, but the Chinese are going to land in if anything else, it would be great for another space agency to have some experience on another planet operating robotics on another planet. Seriously, I think I think that competition is the mother of all inventions, right? So I think it'd be great. Uh, moving on, we've covered a lot of SpaceX in the last two weeks. There hasn't been a lot going on with SpaceX, although. In the last couple of days, just last Friday before we recorded this, so a couple of days ago, the FAA did indeed close its investigation into the SN9 prototype crash. So it's cleared SpaceX this time officially to go ahead with the SN10 launch, which SpaceX has been in the process of getting ready for, as well as SN11. But hopefully everybody's crossing their fingers now. We were okay with losing seven and eight and nine. Ten? I don't know. Now, now we're reaching that point where let's see this thing at least get back on the pad and maybe topple over once it gets down, but it needs to get down to the pad and not with a rud this time around. So that's coming up pretty soon. The official NASA statement or the official FAA statement said, quote, the SN9 vehicle failed within the bounds of the FAA safety analysis, unquote. So that was good enough for them. Riveting. Yes. Okay, coming up, we have the SLS Green Run core stage test at Stennis Space Center that is scheduled for February 25th, which is three days away. Somewhere at the end of March, March 25th to the 29th, Boeing CST-100 Starliner OFT-2 test is going to happen. SpaceX Crewed 2 mission, March 30th, Starliner crewed flight test in June 2021. And the James Webb Space Telescope launch is still scheduled, yet Stephen will believe it when he sees it on October 31st, 2021. That and everything else that's happening, we'll pick some stuff along the way. There's more happening in 2021. It's going to be a really exciting year in space. So I know this is getting to be kind of a longer statement. I've been trying to condense it as much as possible, but it's just really, really fun stuff. And I just got to talk about it. It was a busy week and, and we can forgive you because on Mars and it's amazing pictures from Mars. And Chris, I don't know. Did you see any of the pictures? Yeah. Suncast was sending me all the pictures he took. <laughs> of the rover. 
Because so, like, the pictures really were one of those things that like, I, I was explaining in a back channel chat that we have is like, I, I see it. It's cool. But my senses want to want to downplay it because the pictures that are coming out looks like something you would see from a movie or something that you would see just like CGI or a soundstage. Like, so, so my body wants to like to, to feel like it's just another thing. And then and then I have to recognize these are so detailed pictures that I want to believe that they're fake. Like, it, it's so cool. So awesome. That That's because it is from a soundstage. We're oh, not really on Mars. Just enough. like we never got to the moon. <laughs> just <laughs> like the world is flat. True story. My boss comes up to me on Friday and he said, hey, SP, that was that was pretty cool. I watched it live. We, we went home in time to watch it. I watched it live and I watched a Nat Geo special on it that night. And it's really cool stuff. But I, I was disappointed that I didn't see any video of its landing. And he told me this on Friday. I just looked at him in the face and I went, you saw the Nat Geo special, right? He said, yeah. You know what's on board the spacecraft, right? He goes, uh, yeah. Wait till Monday. I, I, I didn't know <laughs> but what day the JPL was going to come out because the transfer rate, by the way, two megabits per second. That's all they get. And they said that they had accrued 30 gigabytes of data for the landing. So two megabits per second it takes a while to get all that data in, but I just said, wait. And then the video today, that was, that was, it was honestly, it was looking like a high definition version of an Apollo mission coming in, just the, the, the magnitude of everything. So I, I was having some fun watching it today when I could, I was stuck at work and watch it in lower definition. I was asking these guys, is it cool? Is it cool? I can't see it. Is it cool? And they said, it's so cool. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go home and watch it. And because we knew you were missing it, even if it wasn't cool, we would have told you that it was. <laughs> I know. Spite-based decision-making. You guys are great. It's 90% of my decisions right there. <laughs> Anything you want to throw into this discussion, Chris? I think you guys have been covering it pretty well. I just chime in. Well, I am looking forward to the next thing that you send up there, Chris Farrell, because I know that you will be the next person to land on Mars. Even though we haven't had one person, you'll be the... Well, we've had Suncast, so you'll be Suncast. the next one. That's true. That's true. Who says I'm what? not there right now? Matt Damon's been there. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to a segment. All right, let's go ahead and talk about working from home. This was an idea that Chris Farrell came up with, and I thought that it's such a good idea because a lot of us have been working from home for about a year now, and we've talked about some of the things that we've done here and there um, in order to work from home successfully uh, from a tech perspective. And Chris, you had this idea, so I'll let you set it up. Right, so the thought here, like Stephen had mentioned, is... Some of us have been working from home a good deal. Myself, since about March of last year, I've gone into the office, I think, three times. The rest of the time, I've been working from home. And as I was sitting there, I was going, you know, I've seen all sorts of friends I know on Twitter or on Facebook or some of my coworkers in our little chat rooms we have to replace being able to go over to a desk and ask questions, talk about some of the things they've gotten that's helped with the work from home experience. And I thought, well, we may be a year into this experience, but it's never too late to kind of chime in with some things that we've gotten to enhance our work from home experience to make it a little easier on us or or whatnot and then share with you guys who are watching live because i'm sure there are other folks who are watching live or listening who have 
kind of in the same boat where they're kind of pivoting to doing more and more stuff from home and trying to figure out how to make that work. But before we get into everything that we've bought, I think it might be good to kind of level set and start with a combination of two things. A, anything that your company or job might have provided for you to work from home and B, anything that you already had that you were using to work from home. So in the simplest things, like I'll talk about my stuff first, we can go around. Uh, All really work provided for me was a link to download the software to run our VPNs and VMs to put on one of my machines. Some folks were able to get DVDs with it already burnt on there. And some folks were able to get thumb drives. In my case, it was here. Here's a link to go and download that. And here's some papers you need to print out that your instructions and how to log in for the first time. That was the extent of what I got. But I'm not complaining because I get to work from home. I I do want to talk about this for a split second here because at one hand, I go, really? That's all they provided you with a link? On the other hand, the techie me goes, Chris was able to work from home through a link. How cool is that? Well, it was a link to download the software for me to then put on this USB thumb drive right here. And it basically spins up an instance of Linux that lives in RAM. And then once you're done for the day, you shut down. And since it's all living in volatile storage, there's no trace of anything that you may have done. Now, granted, once you're in that virtual, once you're in this Linux machine, I'm then living in two different virtual machines I bring up on screen. So really, there's no data stored locally for me whatsoever at all. So I'm really happy that that worked. It's something that my workplace has been testing for a while. And to make that work right now, I'm using my old Dell XPS 8700 desktop that I've got here with two 24-inch 1080p displays on it. I've been rocking the same office chair I'm sitting in for probably about three years at this point in time. And to the left of me off camera, which you can't see, is my Surface Book 1 that I've been using to play music, but also for any of our calls that are on Teams and formerly were on Skype because the way our virtual machine works, my machine recognizes the speakers in my monitor, but not the speakers plugged into the headphone jack. And it won't recognize any microphone except for the microphone in one of my webcams. So it's just easier to log into the web versions of things on my laptop and play around that way. And the final thing I've been using that's part of my regular equipment is I have an infrared space heater I keep in my basement. I work out of my basement. I podcast out of my basement. It is pretty much concrete slab with carpet put over top of it. So in the winter, it gets a little chilly. So I've been rocking that space heater a lot the past couple months. When my work sent a bunch of us home last March, so it's it's been close to a year, they didn't have a lot of equipment to give everybody, but we use a physical card reader to access some stuff. So we were allowed, we weren't supposed to be back at work, but we were allowed to come in one at a time in our office and meaning like one a day, that's all that was to come back and get these card readers and bring them home. We could then use the card readers to basically create a virtual desktop or a VPN into our work computers using our own computers at home. And and that was it for me and everything else. I mean, I was helping people buy laptops because they didn't have laptops. I was helping people by uh, hotspots because they didn't have home internet. They had no need for home. Believe it or not, there's people without home internet. So they got mobile. Blasphemy. Yeah, they got mobile hotspots just so they could connect to work virtually. And the systems that, that they first put in were so overtaxed. They were not designed to have this many people 
work from home or work remotely and they just crashed and crashed. It wasn't until months later where they made actual change, like physical changes at our work hub and expanded some bandwidth when they could because everybody was screaming for more bandwidth that we were finally able to get uh, more of a routine connection. But even you get this guy, this is a year later. We had a snow day here this past couple of weeks. And instead of having the snow day, we were told everybody you can telework for today because I'm back in the office I've talked about before. So everybody started teleworking and guess what? Within 15 minutes, we nobody could work because it all crashed down because they had taken that capability and, and focused it more on internally, the bandwidth internally versus externally again. So I'm not sure, like we've been talking about, oh, you get to take a snow day. So that just means, you know, if you're a school kid, you don't get a snow day, you get distance learning. Or if you're like me, you have to telework. I'm not so sure that's going to be the way forward until they fix this whole bandwidth thing into the VPNs, whatever. Anyway, I just wanted to pile on to your what work provided little segment because not much for us. Uh, I'll, I can go. If, do you want me to say what work yeah. provided for me? As well? yeah. All right, I'll, I'll keep going down this train then. So for me, it was a uh, pretty simple offerings is I already worked off of a laptop uh, that I had to bring into the office every day, put on the dock, bring it home as part of the continuity plan sort of thing. So that's what I was provided as well as a headset. Uh, that, that was pretty much all that I was provided there. Um, so I have, I will get into other parts of my list after you say more, Chris. <laughs> right, and I didn't bring that up to try and take shots at anyone's workplace or anything, but more just to kind of point out that nowadays with work from home stuff, you can kind of get by with the things you already have to be able to access company networks and things like that to do work. It was just everything being software-based for the most part to get in, which I think is is very interesting because I know in the past there were folks that were on call that would always have to have their certain laptop with them that could access networks. So if someone called at 3 a.m., they could log in. And I'm happy that where I work now is kind of pivoted to, okay, give me five minutes to reboot my main computer so I can load the virtual machines and I'll be in there and take a look. It's, it's really nice to see. Now, here's where we get into the fun part of this is since we've all started working from home, I'm sure we bought ourselves some new toys to either make the experience more fun or because we went, ooh, some of the gear I'm using is great for the incidental usage I would have during the week. But if I'm using this 40 plus hours a week on top of the rest of my time on my computer, maybe I need to revisit some of the gear I've gotten. That's what ended up happening to me. I ended up buying some new gear, partly because I like new gear and this was a good excuse, but also partly because I realized that some of my old equipment was not so great. So the first of that, my keyboard and mouse, I swapped those out. I had some older Logitech ones. They were really clicky clacky, but they worked for the time I was using them. I replaced them with the Logitech MX keys keyboard, which is a really fantastic keyboard. Allows you to switch between four different, excuse me, three different computers potentially for using stuff. There's a button hot swap between so you can connect via Bluetooth to multiple things or with the Logitech unifying receiver. I then also bought myself a new mouse because my old mouse wasn't working and got the Logitech Master Mouse 3, which has a scroll wheel that is clicky or you can hit a button and make it so it just glides infinitely. And more importantly, has a scroll wheel on the thumb so that you can go left or right and scroll on there. It's very nice. I like it a lot. And the cool thing is it is one of those laser mice that doesn't require a, uh, a non-clear surface beneath it. So I have a glass uh, part of my desk. I can use that on the glass desk with no issue whatsoever. It's really a nice thing to have. 
some of the other stuff I got, and I've touched on it, some of these, but the other next one up I saw on Woot on closeout was an Amazon Echo Spot. I ended up getting it for like 25 or 29 bucks in part because it would allow me to fit it on my desk and it would not take up a ton of extra space and get music and a speaker closer to me. But more importantly, since I'm working from home now, I never, and I work in the basement, I don't really have a great awareness of when someone comes and knocks on the door or anything like that. But I do get notifications from my Nest camera. So what I can do is say, hey, A-Word, show me the driveway. And that little echo spot that's sitting there will give me a live feed of my Nest cam from the driveway. So I can just kind of glance down and be like, oh, it's the postal service or, oh, it's the neighbor and I don't want to answer the door because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Why aren't they calling me? Those kind of things. So that was the practical reason of why I put it on my desk was so that I could have access to my camera. And I've enjoyed it. I listen to the radio. Well, I listen to Sirius XM on it every day for probably about four or five hours while I'm working because it's just the simplest thing for listening to music in the place where I am right now. I did talk about this next one a little bit also. In fact, I did a review on it, my Ember travel mug. That was essential for my basement working because I have a regular Ember mug, but I was always afraid I would knock it over and spill coffee all over all my electronics. So I wanted a lid that was pretty much Loctite so nothing would spill out of it and I wanted it to stay warm for a while. And yes, I had other insulated mugs, but I'm someone that if I get distracted, I'll forget about my coffee for like an hour and then I'll come back. Oh, oh, this is cold. So this fixed that problem. It keeps my coffee always at 135 degrees, basically. And for those of you that are following along with what I'm saying, some of these things I'm bringing up next, I did include the Amazon links too. So you can pull them out of our show notes if you want. As I started working from home, I realized, man, if I'm sitting in this chair 40 hours a week on top of my podcast time, I mentioned it's a carpeted basement. We've got a really deep, thick carpet down here. So the chair would kind of get stuck in it and you'd have to put a little force to kick. But what I was starting to notice is I'd worn a bunch of grooves in the carpet from where I was sitting in the chair, from where I'd push back the chair to get up and push the chair back in. And I went, ooh, I'm just going to wear out this carpet a lot faster. I need to get a chair mat. So I went on Amazon and I found the first chair mat I could find because these were in high demand that shipped flat. This is the important thing. It was not a rolled chair mat. They shipped it flat to me in a box so I didn't have to sit there and try and flatten out a chair mat. It was great. I think it was like 40 bucks, the little chair mat I got. It's super durable. I've had no problems with it. I've spilled water on it, just mopped it up. I've vacuumed things up off of it, and it has not seemingly taken any damage whatsoever. And I am a not-so-light person that sits on a chair on it every day and moves back and forth and glides on it. So I've been pretty happy with it. As I was sitting here working in my chair, though, I started realizing my ergonomics might not be quite right. So I started looking into some um, some footrests that go under the desk. And what I ended up finding, I think it was like 20 bucks on Amazon, was a memory foam little footrest. And the top of it is rounded in an arc and the bottom of it is flat. You can put it either side down. I tend to put the flat side down and rest my feet on the arched, on the arced part of it so that I can kind of curl my feet around it. But it's actually helped my posture get a little bit better as I sit here. And more importantly, it's also gotten my feet up off the ground so that in the winter on the cold concrete slab basement, my feet stay a little bit warmer. I have done what they suggested a couple times when I've been fidgety, which is to flip the thing upside down to put the rounded part down so that you put your feet on the flat part and you can kind of rock back and forth with your feet on that a little bit. So if you're having a real fidgety day, that worked out pretty well for me. And it's helped me a lot with how I've been sitting in my chair during the day, which is also kind of a big thing because I realized 
while I enjoy the office chair I have, it is not as comfortable for extended seating as my chair was at work, which I think other people are probably finding out those same things. Yeah, I ended up pre-pandemic getting a sit-stand or well, a stand mat, basically, if we're at work. And I, if you're going to do a, any sort of stand work environment, I would highly recommend it. The one I bought, I and mean, we talked about it on the podcast, this is back in 2019. The one I bought had ridges on it and had uh, little spots so that you could stretch your arch out or stretch your um, your your legs out or and stuff like that. So I would highly recommend getting something like that. In there are many. I got mine off of Amazon. Uh, the title was a Cube Fit Standing Desk Terramat, but you can get whatever that you want, I would encourage you to go a little bit higher quality because you go low quality, they're just going to wear out within a couple of weeks. Yeah, there's also, if you're not sure whether you're going to use some of these things, especially, I kind of cheaped out a little bit at first with a thought that I could replace it later if I did use it, like that under desk uh, footrest or whatever. I didn't buy the most expensive one because I went, you know, if I'm not using this, I don't want to sink a bunch of cash into it. So it's kind of a trade-off. If you don't think you're going to like it or you're curious as whether you like it, it may not be worth sinking as much money in. And then if you decide you do, you can always replace it later, later down the road. That makes sense. Okay, I'm going to power through some of these. You don't need as much description. I've complained about my cold basement. My most recent purchase was heated socks. That's right. Oh. They're wool socks with little battery packs that go in the ankle of them. And they'll give me eight to 10 hours of battery life and when we had our single digit days last week, my feet were roasty toasty inside these heated socks. They were fantastic. There's a whole variety of them on Amazon. You can find the one that works best for you. But I, I tried to find ones that would make it through a whole work day for me. They did the job. Have you explored an in-floor heating system since you're spending so much time down there? Um, not for what it would cost me to put in down to that wager. <laughs> I, I, don't, I believe yeah, the socks yeah. are probably much cheaper. The, the socks is a far cheaper alternative. <laughs> All right. I'm just saying, you know, it might help sellability and everything eventually. Yeah. I live in a townhouse though. So you got to be careful. You don't do too many improvements that price you out of everyone around you. So, hmm. uh, Dane says not USB. I was looking for USB socks and no joke. My concern was that if I plugged them in, I would forget I was plugged in and try and walk away to go get a cup of coffee upstairs <laughs> and yank something out of the wall. That was legit a concern of mine. <laughs> uh, some other stuff I picked up. I have some fake leather and cork desk mats that I put on my desk. They're both 24 by 14 inches. I, I sit where I'm facing the camera right now to work and I have a laptop to the left that I'll spin and work on. I put one of those on both of my desks because basically kept me from damaging the glass there any it made it so i could set a glass down if it sweats a little bit it's no big deal just wipe it up and they were whopping like 20 bucks for the both of them and they double as mouse pads too because i did take my old mouse and plug it in my laptop i keep down here uh this one was stupid but i kind of needed it a usb to ethernet adapter because the software that we use to run our linux version to work from home does not recognize a lot of the uh, hardware in my Surface Book, so my Wi-Fi didn't work. My Surface Book doesn't have an Ethernet adapter on it, so I got a USB to Ethernet adapter so that that could be my backup machine if I need to log in to work for something. I would just plug it in, go that way. Continuing with the laptop, I did also buy myself one of those laptop risers, kind of a shelf for it, because if you're working on a laptop that's on your lap, it's not necessarily as much of a problem because you're used to looking down. But when you just set a laptop on your desk, you're gonna be looking down 
a lot. And you don't realize until you're at that desk all day just how much you're looking down to be able to look at the monitor just because of how it's laid out. This basically lifts my laptop up about eight to 12 inches so that I look straight ahead to look at my display. It's been really helpful, really nice. And I just slide my keyboard out from underneath that uh, riser when I want to do anything on it. I've liked it a lot. And for, I think I paid another 20 or 25 bucks for just like a little metal one that snaps together and I can unfold, I can fold it back up and put it out of the way if I decide I don't need the riser for some reason. And the last one, because I'm cold all the time, I got myself fingerless gloves because my hands were getting cold prior to when I had the space heater on because it wasn't quite cold enough for that. But my hands were cold. So they're little gloves that stop at the last knuckle, basically, and they kept my hands warmer. But I, I couldn't put full fingered gloves on because I couldn't feel like I could type properly. That's honestly you know, what my biggest problem was. Mark Watney had a problem being cold <laughs> and he had a way to solve that. Yeah, he science the S out of it. Yeah, he dug up an RTG. You just find an RTG. You're living in West Virginia. There's got to be RTGs just laying around there. Just dig one up, bring it into your basement. You'll be fine. Yeah, I could do that. I could do that. Make sure it's got the flag that's by it that says don't dig up the radio thermal graphic thing that's <laughs> going to kill you. And I bought a bunch more K-Cups also because I've been drinking a lot more coffee because it's just I go upstairs and my Keurig is already on. So I just hit the button. It's a lot more convenient than it was at you, work. You should buy another Keurig and have one right downstairs with you. So funny story. <laughs> my wife also works from home and she works in the top level of the house. She bought a Keurig and put it on her desk. So there's a Keurig in the kitchen and there's a Keurig in her office upstairs too. Well, don't you think the basement feels left out now? Come on, Chris. I don't want to <laughs> put it in the basement because I don't want to spill water around mm. any of my electronics down here. So I don't mind taking a 30 second walk upstairs to the coffee machine. So true story, because my office transitioned into a bunch of work at home. A lot of people in my office bought Keurigs. Well, then we went back to work and they brought all their Keurigs. And so we literally have <laughs> a coffee table yeah. with seven unplugged Keurigs <laughs> sitting yeah. on it at work because we only need to use the one. Yep. All right. So I'll go next here and talk a little bit about what I did for working from home. And I will just start off by saying the things that I are, I'm using that was my own equipment, dual monitors, as Chris said, uh, very important for productivity. I use dual monitors at work. So definitely was using dual monitors here. I use this Logitech C922 camera because we do video calls and my company was early on adopting this in the pandemic, uh, doing video calls for for whole bunch of good reasons. Uh, obviously, I'm using my office chair. Already had an office chair mat. I'll come back to that in a, in a little bit. And of course, I do have a network switch that I have nearby that I want to specify right here. Because before this pandemic, occasionally I was working at home, but I was connected by Wi-Fi. Well, when I ended up being day in and day out, I wanted the hardwire line, get rid of all the possible Wi-Fi issues. And so... I ended up um, reconfiguring them. So not only was I plugged in wired directly, uh, I also uh, rearranged my network so that my work network is entirely segmented. There is no cross between my personal and my work network. And I do that for two reasons. Number one, I can know that all my internet of things, which are already on its own network, are definitely not interfering with my work thing. 
And secondly, nothing might be happening with my work laptop to my own personal network. So I definitely divided those. Now, back to the dual monitors there, things that I purchased. The first thing that I purchased right away when I knew this was going to happen, I purchased myself two KV or two uh, HDMI switches because I wanted to make sure that I could easily use the same dual monitors that I have for day in and day out so that I could switch between using them for work and switch it uh, between using them for personal. So I just threw an HDMI switch onto each monitor. Every day I have to switch it over manually. I keep looking for something inexpensive that's smart, but I never find it. So uh, that's how I do the monitor situation. But I also, like Chris, bought a new keyboard and mouse. It was a Logitech um, MK545 keyboard and mouse combo. It was like really on sale. I bought it right at the right time before I think everything, everybody realized how quickly this stuff was going to go. Because I ended up knowing someone who bought it for double what I paid like two weeks later. So uh, I I wanted to make sure that I didn't end up with the office key scenario. We've all seen the office keys at work where all the letters are worn off because you're typing so much. (laughs) I didn't want that on my own personal stuff. So I definitely bought that even though, you know, this is my own personal stuff. But this is this different keyboard. Uh, I also bought a USB hub for it because... Like I mentioned, I was using my laptop. Well, unfortunately, the laptop basically has three three USB ports, and that wasn't really enough for, for everything that I might need to do. Is it three or is it two? I think it's two. But in any case, I did need it so that I could get it all um, working properly. And uh, that worked out really well, actually, because I kind of use it as a dock where when I put my laptop away, it's one like I have things all plugged into the hub. I just disconnect the hub from the laptop and then I can I, I make it a habit to put my laptop away every Friday just to get that, you know, off my desk and have the weekend. I also bought some monitor risers because I my monitors are kind of too low for um for day in and day out, but I haven't put them up yet because I just got them during like Prime Day or something. So nice. I, <laughs> I know <laughs> I haven't done it yet, but I will. Uh, for the C922, I wanted to make sure that I could have it where I wanted placed because I use my laptop kind of it, off to the side because it's not really doing anything other than hooked up to my monitors. Like I'm not using the screen or anything. So my my camera needed to go a different location than where my laptop was. And so I bought a uh, microphone stand, actually, a cheapo microphone stand that I could use in order to um to put the webcam on in front of me i also bought this one here surprised me was an air purifier an air filter for the room because i have never really had this room open day like all day ever since i've lived here i've gone to work in the day and then i've used this for my podcast my recreational space i quickly realized how much more dust was getting into this room because it's right in the main (laughs) entry and just the way, I guess, the wind is traveling and things like that. The office was way dustier. I was noticing it on, on my computer. And so I have this air purifier that I do have it going in the day, but it's kind of loud. So I run it low. And then at night, I just all night let it go on high. And it, it made quite a difference. Um, and also my allergies were starting to bug me. So I'm like, I got to do something about this. Let me guess. You're allergic to your kids. That too. And work, um, which is probably why I sneeze so much. Uh, But also I did some 3D printing for work, which was an adapter for that camera, because like I said, I used a mic stand to get the webcam on there. So I needed to 3D print a little adapter for it. 
And also camera covers. I definitely 3D printed camera covers because I don't want people watching me. As soon as the meeting's done, the camera flip goes down. That's Here's my camera cover. It's an envelope I put over my camera. <laughs> Seriously, I'll be in the middle of ending a meeting and, and I, I, I try to wait until it actually hangs up, but I've seen it a couple of times where I, you can see me reaching towards the camera and then it goes black because as soon as that meeting is hanging up, I flip it down. Yep. Uh, and then a couple other things I just wanted to quickly mention, which was sort of some changes to my day-to-day use. Like Chris, uh, I am drinking a lot of coffee now. And so uh, being home, I am definitely using my coffee maker more, which means I know it'll wear out sooner. Uh, also, I had to adjust the heating schedule in my house because I have smart heat and I had it set based off of often people not being here while I'm home now. So I had to change that. And yeah. also... I'm recognizing right now that my chair mat that I thought was going to last me for many, many years is needing to be replaced already because I'm sitting here every day and I bought a chair mat for sort of hobby purposes. And also my chair itself, which was already getting towards its last legs, but now it looks horrible. It's, it's you know, that fake pleather is tearing away. Like it's, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not good. So those are some things that I know that I'm going to have to purchase soon. And if once things are rolled out of future possible like long-term work arrangements, it sounds like it's still going to be a split schedule. If this does come to fruition, I will probably look into something sit-stand because that is like really the only thing that I miss about going into the office was my sit-stand desk. And so I really do miss the ability to stand, not all the time, but have that variation throughout the day. So I will probably look into something if it looks like that will continue to be the case. But I hope that that does give people a bit of an idea about some of the things you might need to buy if you're thinking about it, or maybe just some fun ideas. And in order to close up this segment, uh, SP's actually done a really nice little list here because you haven't had as many days working at home as Chris and I. And so you've put together some ideas and some good practices if you are going to work from home. Yeah, so this is more tips from here on in for for me. So I'll just go over them really quick. I would recommend trying to get a separate telework space. So a lot of people like we are podcasters, so we have podcasting space and we have home office space. And we talked about that before, at least on Better Podcasting, but try to denote the difference between the two. If you're teleworking, you got to denote the difference into telework as well. Even if it's at the same desk, you know, a different position or a different, de- you know, you bring out different things and you put different things away. I think it's really important to denote that separate space. I know it might be a little extra work, but hey, you need to know when it's time not to work. That's where really what I'm getting at, because if you're working from home, you could get really into working from home for hours and hours and, and basically get no sleep and no rest time and stuff like that. So it's really important, in my opinion, to try to denote that separate space. Now, we talked about it before here. I have a Studio C, quote unquote, Studio C that I use for my telework desk when I'm here. I might actually use it tomorrow morning. We'll see. But that is what I did. I don't telework from this office. Now, if I'm taking a video teleconference call, this will be my VTC room. So this will be my conference room. I'll come in and I'll take the the VTC here. But quite frankly, I don't want to intermingle the software or the storage or anything because if work needs to come and get my computer, I want to keep my computer separate from their stuff and they can take their computer and and whatever. Even though it's my computer, it's a, a computer that I upgraded 
and it is solely devoted to work. And that's another thing. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, I upgraded a lot of the computers so everybody had their own laptops that in my family, the kids for school, for work, everybody had their own computers. It was a chore to do, but we got it going and they all worked with the exception of one. And that was replaced this Christmas. That was my daughter's M1 MacBook Air. If you can't afford a different computer or maybe a different room or, or anything like that, create as much digital divide as you can. This means using a separate PC for work if you can, uh, maybe a separate hard drive for work, definitely a separate file folder structure for work. Keep your work stuff separate on your computer. Don't intermingle them at all. Just keep it separate. Another thing we just briefly discussed on sit stand desk, the desk, my studio C is actually a stand desk. And when I sit at it, I've got to use a bar stool to sit on it. So it's kind of already a stand desk. And I like that if I'm going to be working for eight hours a day, I want to be able to do that stand thing. So you might want to do it as well. Chris, you talked about having good posture, a, a good sit stand desk or a stand desk will help you work on your posture. But you can't stand, if you're not used to it, you can't stand all day long. So it could get too tiresome for you. So make sure you have some sort of a sitting posture that you can get to. Uh, make sure that you're working towards a schedule, you know, set a schedule and, and keep to it. Don't try to overwork yourself. Make sure that you take your breaks. And the stuff that you used to do just to get away from your desk for a second, like go get coffee or, or whatever, Make sure you take those breaks and schedule some stuff that's not going to take you hours to do, but you can get you that quick 5, 10, 15 minute break, and then you can be back at work. Something just to reset your brain. If it's warm out, go take a walk out, whatever, and come back in, that sort of thing. And here's another thing. Try to keep to a normal daily routine, which means a daily shower, uh, daily workouts, keep your meal times. Don't like work, 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 work. And then eventually you're like, Oh, I'm hungry. And it's 12 hours later. No, just keep, try to keep to a schedule. Your body will thank you for it later. Set goals and deadlines. This will work great, especially at your end of the year performance later, and then keep a record of everything. This will be important to make sure that you are documenting the fact that you're working, uh, your accomplishments, how you've used your time, uh, possible time use, possible timekeeping apps. I, I don't use one myself, so I don't have one to recommend, but if somebody has a timekeeping app that they can recommend, that'd be good. And here, here's something that I noticed, uh, as the pandemic went is the stay at home thing went like to month two or three, we, we would get on video teleconferencing calls at work and you could, there were people in their robes. There were people that had bedhead and stuff like that. I'm like, Look presentable. I don't care if you're wearing a t-shirt and, and flip-flops. Just work. Just look presentable. Don't look like you just literally got out of bed and haven't shaved in 10 days or something like that. I mean, if you're growing a beard, that's one thing. But if you're just doing it because you're lazy, that's this. Keep to that schedule because even without the pandemic, you're just going to need to uh, be that way. And, and here's the last tip that I'll go over. And this has... Because we have Microsoft Teams and we use it even as we're at work right now, we won't have it forever. We've already been notified that it's been going, that it's going to go away. The excessive extraneous chat room conversation is annoying. You're trying to do so. It's, it's the digital equivalent 
of somebody coming to your desk and talking to you all day when you're trying to do like a major project or something like that. This constant bing, 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 bing on your phone or on your monitor or whatever, like leave me alone. And it's not like you can turn these things off because your boss wants to get a hold of you. You can't just walk down and tap on you. So you have to keep it open. It's like if you want to do these miscellaneous conversations, create a different a channel, room, whatever it is on whatever communication device that you're using and have it for the miscellaneous stuff and make it so that somebody can mute it, but keep the official stuff in official channels. I mean, you get these, you get these text message things, these group text messages that just go on forever. And you're like, leave me alone. I'm not at work anymore. I just want to be alone and whatever. I mean, there's quiet mode, like Microsoft Teams has quiet mode. And I put it on quiet mode and that's fine off hours. My boss needs to get a hold of me, knows to text me. So I guess at least that's some sort of separation. But don't be that guy, right? Don't be that gal. Don't be that person that is going to annoy everybody. So keep the excessive chat room out of the work stuff. So that's my final tip. And I hope some of this has been somewhat informative. Well, thanks for doing that. That's a that's a good set of tips there. And uh I think that a lot of people uh, will probably find these opportunities to work at home come up a little more as companies sort of settle out from this and they rearrange work plans and things like that. And I think that those are some good tips for people who might be doing it for the first time. Well, thank you for that idea, Chris. And I think that this is one of those things that um, we're going to look back from in 10 years from now. And we're going to go, wow. That was a big deal, people working at home all the time. And uh, we'll see a lot more offices with split schedules and things like that. What a good idea for a segment, Chris. Hey, happy to help. But that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this show. Before we go, I want to take a moment here to plug and promote what we're, we've got going on. I know that we took last week off. So let's remind everybody where they can usually find you. Let's start with USB. You can find me at Better Podcasting which is betterpodcasting.com, also part of the Gunna Geek Network. But more importantly, right now is the end of WandaVision season one, maybe series. We'll see what happens. It's been a phenomenal ride. Really, it's been a fun time to podcast on it. So you can find that on the GunnaGeek.com network. That's Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's a podcast that I do with Michelle and with Lauren, and we've been having a great time talking about Marvel for, I was thinking about this, eight years now. Wow. Eight long years. <laughs> Chris, is there anywhere that people could find you when you're not doing well, the show? Sure, I do this show every Monday, and then on Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern, most of the time, barring internet issues, I am doing the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. You can find that on the Gunna Geek Network or also atgnpodcast.com. I know in our Discord server, you said you were going to reschedule it. Did you guys decide to reschedule or just, just call it for the week? Still a work in progress right now. The difficulty there is Anthony works nights now. Uh, so we've got to try. I don't know if we're going to be able to reschedule appropriately. All right. Still working on it. Well, in any case, Willie Nelson, like I said, will be doing his Chris impression coming soon. It'll be fun to see. Uh, also, I just want to say that I did do a guest appearance on Stefushio's Geopats Books podcast and talked a lot. Uh, this is a year ago that we recorded this. Talked about Leviathan Wakes, which is the first novel in the Expanse universe. So if you want to check that out, you can find it at stefushio.com slash geopatbooks. Did that episode and just came out last week. 
When I saw the uh, posting for that, I responded saying, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, amazingly, I look the same in a picture. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that is going to go ahead and wrap up episode 366 of the officialgunnageek.com show. I'm Stephen John Drew saying Chris is working at home. I'm working at home and SP wants to work at home. Hey guys, I'm SP. I will see you guys next week. We'll talk more about space stuff. I guarantee it. I'm Chris and I never leave my house anymore. Is that a bad thing? Because I, I don't think that it is. It's probably bad for my car battery. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> for checking out another episode of the official gunageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions which stream mondays at 8 45 p.m eastern at www.geeks.live and remember you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show if you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week. <laughs>